Do you remember your phone number when you were a kid? Not just the area code. Okay, do you remember your grandparents' phone number? Well, Jamie Lane was so close to her grandmother and grandfather that she still remembers their phone number. She was around them all the time, absolutely loved them, even as a teenager. And she never lost her respect for, concern for, compassion for uh, generations ahead of us. And she's really funneled that into a very special charity of her own creation. And it just does my heart good to see the reservoir and the groundswell of public support for people who want to do good for their neighbors when they may not even realize that they're suffering in in silence, uh, that they're out of sight and out of mind, living and dying very much alone. And so this is such a heartwarming story. My next guest, Jamie Lane. But I'm advocating for these people that don't have a voice, that never have had a voice here. This is In Her Words, a podcast from manlisting.com, featuring one man listening to the stories of real women in their own words. In Her Words, a conversation worth hearing, because every woman deserves to be heard. Hey there, and welcome to In Her Words, the podcast. You know, they say in business, you find a need and fill it. Well, you can also do that in the nonprofit world, in the world of charities, of tax-exempt charities. Uh, And that's what Jamie Lane did. She created her own nonprofit called Seasons of Giving Lake Norman. And she did it because she drove by this place all the time, and then all of a sudden, she realized this is a place where I can really help others. She'll tell the story. Jamie Lane. Where were you born? Winston-Salem. North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Hospital um, or home? Um, hospital, for Scythe Hospital. And for your mother, your number what of how many? It would be number one of anybody. But <laughs> 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 I'm the first. Um, of how many? Three girls. Uh, all three. Mm-hmm. How many kids do you have? Three. So they had three and you have three. Mm-hmm. Now, do you have any boys? I have a boy at ECU and uh-huh. he's a sophomore and then a girl, Sydney, and she's a senior and then a 10 year old, Charlie. And she's a 10 years old. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. So. Um, so clearly family, very important. Mm-hmm. Um, not everybody is as close to multiple generations of their family. Um, why do you think that was? I think a lot of mine was my, my grandmother. They only lived, when I was born, they only lived maybe a mile from us. Um, we, were in, we were in Clemens and they were in um, like the shared forest area of um, Winston-Salem. And you know, I saw my grandparents all the time. And I think a big part of that was I wanted to see them all the time. That was the first phone number I remembered. You know, I, I can still tell you the phone number right now, you know, when they were growing up. Um, and 
I spend the night with them. Even when I was in high school, I would go over there and spend the night or just pop in. Um, when I'd come home from college, I'd bring my friends over there or they'd meet us somewhere for lunch just so my friends could meet them. And uh, my grandmother and I were always pretty crafty and liked to do crafts together and play gin and um, just fun things like that. They just were all very prim and proper. My grandparents were always dressed to the tee. My grandmother always made sure my grandmother father matched her. He had a blue shirt on, she had a blue shirt on. So, um, Coordinated outfits. Yes. Mm -hmm. When you say crafty, what kinds of crafts did oh, you Oh, anything. Do? My grandmother made me my first, um, like, lovey. <laughs> it was a bunny um, out of gingham material that I probably had until I got married, you know, stored away, but I had this bunny and I'd go around sucking my thumb with the bunny rabbit and um, she had to make like three or four of them, you know, they got lost and she would go make another one. Try Do to make you still another. have one of those? I don't think, I think I finally departed with it. Hmm. I'm tired of like holding on to everything, honestly. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things that it's had its time and I remember Did she it. make anything for your kids? Mm-hmm. She made, um, both my daughters and my son all have a crocheted um, little sweater from when they were like six months old. So it's pink, pink and white for the girls and it was blue and green for the boy and a little toboggan thing to go with it. And they all have them like on a doll to keep them with the, like an American girl doll, but they all have one that we saved with it. So um, she, she always made them stuff. We made banana bread or we'd make sourdough bread. We'd have the yeast and we'd have to make um, like a big bunny for Easter. We'd make the ears and all. Um, and, um, we loved to craft and bake. That was our big, every time we went over there, we crafted. Did she baked. make biscuits? Oh yeah, but she burned them every time. She did? <laughs> did she mean to? It's a family joke that um, every time we would have Thanksgiving or Christmas, expect the bread to be burned. It didn't matter if you put a timer on it, whatever, it came out, always the bread was burned on top. Yeah. <laughs> and she wouldn't throw it away. Oh no. I mean, she might try to scrape it off. <laughs> no, I was a better cook. You were a better cook, but her sewing. Did she ever make quilts? I remember making quilts. Hers was, oh, I would say more crocheting. She liked crochet. So um, knitting mm -hmm. and... But she did a lot of sewing too. I mean, um, I just remember as I was getting older, she learned to crochet and would do that a lot to make scarves and um, hats for everybody. Now, did she ever make dresses out of a pattern or anything? Did she have a sewing machine? Oh, yeah, she had like the old Singer black sewing machine. Um, is it still around? I don't know that it is. I don't think anybody has that. I'm not sure. Um, Do you sew? No. I say that because my grandmother had a pedal singer, mm -hmm. not electric. Was. Yes, that's what this mm -hmm, was. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I remember that with the bobbin and the... Yes wheel that turned and it would make a certain sound mm -hmm. and won't go nearly as fast nah. as the electric ones. Right. The electric the, ones can get away table. from it was you. On the table. Yes. Yeah. A lot of teenagers get to a stage where they don't want to be around the grandparents. Mm -hmm. They want to go off and do their own thing or be bad or mm -hmm. smoke cigarettes or drink beer or whatever they want to do. Um, but you kept 
being around them, there was no real break. No, and honestly, my grandmother smoked like a fiend, you know, <laughs> up until, you know, she got uh, COPD really bad. Well, she was from Winston-Salem. Yes, right. What yes. brand? Uh, Marble Lights, I think. I don't even remember to tell you the truth. It was so long ago. Um, Did your grandfather smoke? No. Mm -mm. Did your he used to, like, I think, long, long time ago. Did you ever steal any of her cigarettes? Oh, gosh, yeah. So would you smoke with her or would she say, don't do that? Oh, I'd smoke with her, but not often. Like that would be like a, maybe once or twice I did, not like a thing. And she wouldn't raise an eyebrow or anything? I was just, just like, Jamie, you know. So, I mean, it wasn't that, you know, it was like one time I'm thinking college or I don't even remember, but I know I did. But would you ever steal them and try to throw them away? No. No. So you never lectured her. And she never lectured you. Mm -mm. But it was a thing when she got sick and had this dead cold turkey stop. You know, wasn't never mentioned again. Yeah. And how old was she when she died? Um, almost 90. Would you do anything with your grandfather, just one-on-one? -on -one? He played for the Carolina Tar Heel basketball team. Oh, my word. Mm -hmm. um, and 42, 43. Yep. And were they a good team mm -hmm. back then? Yeah, and he, he actually got drafted. So that's what... Um, he didn't, he got pulled off to go to the war. And, uh, but no, he's now like in the Dean Smith bullet. He was actually just the last. Oh, bullet. drafted. When I think drafted, I think. Oh, no, drafted, drafted to war. <laughs> not, no. not the NBA. No, no, no. Uh -uh. He was drafted out to, off to war. Yeah. Um, wow. And it's, it's funny because we didn't hear, he never talked about war, ever. I mean, he was in Do the you know where he served? I, no, I mean, he never talked about it. You can look that up, you know. Oh, yeah. We found out more later, um, but not like he, we started going through some pictures and that's how I found out some stuff, but he would not, that's not a conversation he ever, he ever had with us, just that he was in the Navy. Um, and you know, that, that he was pulled off from basketball I and mean, he played basketball until he was 90 years old. He would go out with the kids every Christmas and stuff at my parents and shoot hoops. Um, and so he kept following the Tar Heels. Oh, that's why they were blue all the time. <laughs> so he won. He, he saw them win multiple national championships. Oh, yeah. And I mean, he was honored. He's on the Dean with Dean Smith on the court. And um, and then he was part of a group of people. It was only like five or 10 of them that were surviving under 50. Um, but beyond 1950, um, there was like a group of 10 or 12, something like that. Um, that they would get together on the court too. And they were honoring them. And yeah, he's got his name on a couple of places. And in the book, they talk about him. Mm -hmm. um, he, very, he was very, very proud of that. As well, he should be. Mm -hmm. So what did you do when you turned 18? Uh, I went to Meredith. Oh, uh, was it all girls? Mm -hmm. um, for interior design. And I did not like it. Um, and so I actually ended up transferring to UNC Charlotte. Okay. Um, I just I had three sisters. I didn't need more sisters or living with them 24-7. And there was no motivation. Like, everybody got up and got in their pajamas and rolled out of bed and went to class. Like, there was, there was nothing to, like, motivate you. Yeah. Um, and my dad was a builder. So that's always why I thought I needed to, that or that I went to design is because I really didn't know anything else. Um, what kind of building? Custom builder. He was Home builder. Yeah, in Winston. And now down here, he was down here until he retired a couple of years ago. Now, 
Is there something you learned about interior design that you sort of got from him? Oh, oh absolutely. I mean, and my mom. What was it? Um, I mean, I can, I can pretty much go out to a site right now and tell you a lot about a house if you were buying it. Um, not just interior design wise, but structurally wise. Um, and just things that you could do to make it different or change without necessarily going into the depths of pricing and all that kind of stuff. I, I can kind of ballpark things for you because I lived around I, and I did it myself um, too, but I was never anything that fulfilled my life. You and I are sitting in a senior living community, mm -hmm. um, brick, one story, they look like duplexes or triplexes. Tri not, yeah, quad, they're quadplexes. And just walking in here, you were pointing me to the sidewalk accessibility, accessibility to the laundry room. Mm -hmm. So your eye goes to those kind of things. It can't just be pretty. Let's slap a paint of coat on right. it. And right. You it have has to, have to work. And you have to get it, like for these people, you have to get it past what they're, they're used to and all that they know. Um, you know, for instance, that the laundry room project, we've been working on getting that approved since January. And just now in the past two months, got it approved and actually reached somebody to approve it. And um, we've had the drawings done. We've had everything done. Um, I had a grant from the town to help us with it. Every, everything's been ready to go. And, um, you know, they've known about it and very, you know, kind of hesitant on it because they like their folding tables and their chair in there and their sofa in there, but it's not accommodating to all their friends either that have wheelchairs or walkers. They can't, they can't do it. And we just until now have had their, uh, they only had one wash and dry, washer and dryer that worked until last weekend for the past three months for 40 people. And so when we came in here to install that last weekend, um, we had the place shut down. We just didn't let them come in last weekend. We deep cleaned it, spider webs galore. We took the um, blower from the very back of the room and blew the ceilings, the everything out. We, and the amount of lint from underneath these washer and dryers was like two stacks of towels, full compacted together. I've never been cleaned out. Um, it was disgusting. And so we mopped it, we you know freshened it up and uh, installed the cabinets and stuff. And you know our our cabinets are put there specifically because I wanted an area they could stand up and fold without having to lean over a table and fold. Um, and I wanted one that a wheelchair could fit under and they could sit there and fold. Um, but they also have plenty of room to lay their stack of their piles out. And we put a drying rack and stuff because they were concerned about not being able to dry their clothes on the table. So we added a drying rack. It's, it's, it's been super impactful just that because they were really like four of them sat out here all day while we were doing it. I just don't know. I just don't know about this, you know, and I just give it a chance. Let us get done and give us a chance. And now they're like, Oh my gosh, why have we never had something like this before? This is amazing. Just nothing's been changed or updated since 1969 or 78, whenever it was built. All of them are one story. They're all one story, one bath, one bedroom and a small kitchen. Yeah. Half of the, um, Ovens don't heat properly or work properly, but yet they came in the other day and just replaced the burners, like on the top, which, you know. Um, 
Sounds like it drives you crazy. It does drive me crazy. You could be doing other things mm -hmm. right now other than visiting with these folks. Uh, why do you do it? Well, can I tell you a little bit of the backstory? Oh, please. That's why I I'm mean, here. Yeah. So um, after my grandparents passed in, um, I think it was 2017, 18. And um, when they passed away, I had a really, really hard time because that was something I did every single day. That was part of my jam to go over there. Even if I didn't want to, I made sure. Big hole. Uh, uh, absolutely. And even my kids, because they were used to that. And my three-year-old at the time, you know, she, we had every Friday, every single Friday, we'd go over there and she'd sit on my grandmother's lap and get her nails done with her. You know, so we had our, you know, routines. We would go over there for breakfast during the week before school. Um, so just that really was hard for me to do and it would happen around the holidays for my grandfather he passed away november 9th and on my dad's birthday so thanksgiving was awful you know christmas was super tough because they did spend every christmas with us still and they still had to buy each of the kids gifts like the last gift my grandfather gave the kids was a signed unc basketball oh. with his signature on it and that's what he wanted to give the kids you know for christmas um and you know he would say jamie this is what i want Will you go buy this for me? You know, and he'd wrap them up. And that's what they would give. But so after they passed away um, and COVID hit, we had our quarantine group and, you know, everybody was getting bored. But and so my family was watching The Grinch one night. And so after we were watching The Grinch, the news came on and was like um, they were shutting down the assisted livings and stuff so that you couldn't go back and see anybody. And so the kids were kind of like we were sitting there talking. They're like. So that means that if me, mom, and papa were here, we wouldn't see them again, pretty much. And that's when I was like, I'm thankful they're not. You know, I'm thankful they passed away before all this because they would have been the most heartbroken people, you know, not to have physical contact with us or or anything. I mean, they would they would not have I don't think they'd lasted a month. Um, just because of that. And um and because like my baby was their baby, you know. That Charlie was my my grandfather called her Charlie, <laughs> you know, the, and that was his his girl, and um, so anyway, we decided to kind of see a way we could honor him, and we decided to uh, raise money to feed seniors a Christmas meal, and so we <laughs> I dressed up as Grinch, and the kids, all our quarantine kids, were all Hoovillers, all dressed up, and um, my husband had a red truck. So we put lights on it and we put a Christmas tree on it and had music and stuff. And the deal was we just put it on Facebook that in our neighborhood, if you wanted to see the Grinch and have a picture with them, that we would do a little parade and donate money to feed the seniors. Um, and we raised enough to feed 75 seniors, a Longhorn meal, nothing but cake and the kids make cards and stuff for them. So it was like close to $1,200 the first ah. year. Good. Yeah. And the funniest part was, is that's when nobody was visiting people for the holidays. So we had people coming out and I, everybody had a mask on, but we had neighbors sit on one end of the driveway and the other and be like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen you in two months. How are you? Like, you know, because we don't pass each other on the daily basis anymore. Um, so anyway, the next year it built up. We did it again, said the same thing, but we had the Speedway Pace car. We had probably 30 golf carts and a couple more trucks all decorated and our PE teacher from Pine Lake 
Douglas Devonpaugh. He actually was the Grinch. I mean, I'm telling you, he's the best Grinch ever. And so he was jumping off stuff. He'd see kids, he'd come up and play basketball with them as we're parading through. And um, and he walked the whole way, the whole time. He's jumping off golf carts, he's jumping on the golf carts. Uh, you know, it was super fun. And people were waiting in the driveways um, with fire pits. And teenagers, I mean, like tons of teenagers out, but every corner that we went on was had tons of people on it. And it was super cool. So we ended up raising um, money to feed, we did 350 seniors that year. People always ask me, how did I choose White Hill, where we're at? And there wasn't really any rhyme or reason to it. Honestly, I drove by here one day and saw senior living, you know, subsidized housing, senior living, and you never see anybody out here. Um, You pass by here, nobody knows what it is. The porches kind of look junky, it just kind of looked run down. And so we just decided to pick over here and we showed up with our Longhorn meals and dressed in masks and hats and, you know, kids were singing, singing Christmas carols. I think we had nine, nine or 10 kids that year and went door to door and Patricia, who she's still here, um, lives down in that building down there, but she, um, she came to the door and like in her pajamas and this is in the afternoon, she's in her pajamas and she opens the door and she looks around and she's like, who are y'all? And we said we brought her a Christmas meal. Her face lit up. She opened the door. She goes, I don't care if I get sick and die. I'm coming out here and giving every one of you a hug because I haven't seen a person or nobody's knocked on my door in six months. And we were all like, oh my God, yeah. But she had not had anybody knock on her door in six months. And that these kids... So no human contact. None. Really. Her family's in Ohio. It's unimaginable. <laughs> It's like solitary confinement. Yeah. I mean, they weren't talking to their neighbors because and she didn't do scared. anything wrong. No. She's not in prison. No. And yet she is. Uh-huh. I mean, it was awful. Um, but the kids left there completely changed because they understood now really what this isn't all fun and jokes. This is this is real. This is these people don't have people that even can come take care of them or check on them or drop them off a meal you know and so she became kind of our little inspiration for everything because she's lonely and she still drives a little bit now she shouldn't drive but she does and she's losing her memory you know we've developed friendship with her over the past couple of years the year before last I wasn't going to do it because I had hip surgery in September but then I had a couple of people in the neighborhood email me and be like um is the Grinch going to come back this year like so I rounded up, I was, I've sent an email out. I'm like, anybody who's interested in helping me, I need help or I can't do it, meet at our country club. Well, I had 10 people, some that did not live in the neighborhood, show up. And that was on November 8th or 9th. And so on no- November 10th, I got my clearance for a nonprofit. We held the event instead of the parade. We did a whole event in Northstone Club and had um, that on December 15th. So less than four weeks we sold 150, 350 tickets. We um, had spot. We had no money, so everything was sponsored. We had enough sponsors in four weeks. We um, we had all the decorations done. We had everything. It honestly was it as perfect as perfect can be. Um, this warms my heart because people want to help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They really do, mm-hmm. and and they want times like crushing time is better than doing a volunteer sign-up sheet, you know? But 
I have a lot of kids that love this to be out here. And that's one thing about us is we, you can be two years old and come out here with your mom and, and help out because that's what they want out here. So last year for our event, we actually ended up making around $10,000 off the all said and done. And from that, we served 736 seniors in the three towns. And um, that was door to door. We had blankets for them. Uh, Grace Covenant women made um, crocheted scarves and hats that they could pick from, or some of them got them for their grandkids for as Christmas presents. Um, at the event, we made ornaments and handwritten cards. The fact they got to come out and pick like their grandkids stuff. I mean, some of them don't even see their grandkids, but they would get them and they have a bag of this is when I see my grandkids one day. And they add that to their um, collection. Um, and so... Uh, they can't see their grandkids, but they can see kids, their grandkids' age. Like my daughter is several of these granddaughters because they don't speak to their families or their families don't speak to them or they've lost them family. And they're our family. Like, I mean, I can, I mean, my happiest place sometimes if I have a bad day is to come here before I go home. It's and like without making too much of this, people need that. Socialization. Well, we have gotten two scooters out here. And one of the scooters that we got was for um, one of my favorite guys who never left his apartment really before. His father, he's from Huntersville. His father um, is Mr. Alexander, who is part of the whole Pottstown. He's been here forever. There's a lot, he's all, he'll be 90 soon. What is Pottstown? That's, um, it's more of the, um, a lower income, black, original, um, historic neighborhood. In Huntersville? Mm -hmm. It's really behind downtown Huntersville, really. Mm -hmm. um, so he went to the first all black high school, or all black school, which is Thomas Lytle School, as well as his cousin Connie, who lives next door. Please tell me you have recorded his story. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm writing a little book. <laughs> oh, wonderful. But do you have some photos? Oh yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. He's um, he's my buddy. Like I went after softball after I was dropping the ladies off the other night. Last night I walked in and his brother was visiting, so I walked in and watched football with him for a few minutes. I mean, like they're they're my buddies. Um, and you know the kids are the same way. They can walk right in. I I feel totally comfortable with my ten year old walking into any of these places and know that if I can't find her right now, she's running around with one of them and she's getting candy or she's talking to them or, you know, they're showing her something they've made. This you is know. a safe place. Oh, absolutely. Um, but it is funny because, you know, like I said, no, but nothing drew me necessarily here. Mm -hmm. But when I landed here, um, I knew I was home. Like this, this was where I was supposed to be. Um, because I think, uh, you know, just I've been a stay at home mom for a long time and always had odd jobs. I would piddle this or piddle that, you know, just to make some side money. I nannied for a long time. I mean, I had my two precious babies I nannied for for the past five years that I love them like my own kids, but it was just like, I've passed that stage in my life. After I had hip surgery, it's like, I can't, I can't do this any longer. You know, it's just a lot. And I was depressed. Um, and I think between finding this, because this was only supposed to be Christmas meals, this that was it and then because we had we spent our money on the christmas meal and i still had like three thousand dollars in the bank that's when i started saying hey we can do this we can do this something else so that's when we decided or i decided that we'll host a weekly activity 
our monthly activity. So we'd come in here and paint. They have some landscape paintings that they've painted. That just me telling them like little directions that would blow you away. And some of them never to paint, lifted a paintbrush before. Um, so we did that. We've had like the senior advocacy come in here. We worked with the farmer's market um, and hearts to hands to get them vouchers um, for the farmer's market. It's like we're working with Metro Atlanta Greenhouse right now. And they're going to help us build this common area next week. And um, we have Wells Fargo that's coming out to do an ice cream show at Social. Lowe's came out with one of their teams and helped us clean up the grounds. Things that the property management should be doing but aren't. Now, I think half of them have my phone number. You know, I mean, and I have theirs. And, my, and they're saying, how can we help? Yes. And they're saying, too, like, Bobby's being grumpy today. Can you come deal, deal with him? You know, like, it's, it, you know, or are you coming over here today? We, ha we haven't heard from you in three days. Like, so Jamie is the mediator. I'm the mediator. Um, yes. And, and they call me, you know, is anybody going to be at the office today? I'm like, girl, you know I don't deal with them anymore. <laughs> like mm -hmm. you know um but they knew now i mean we talked about the patio forever we talked about the laundry room forever we couldn't move forward we had the money we couldn't move forward with it because we couldn't get in touch with a single soul at all then not one contact and i know a lot of people we even went to um mecklenburg county county of commissioners and i have connections there nobody could find any connection for me to get to the management but i'm advocating for these people that don't have a voice that never have had a voice here and, you know, they've got sidewalks that are uneven. They have sidewalks that need a handrail because two people have fallen in the past month um, going up a hill. You know, they have door frames that were broken into because supposedly the fire department did it um, to see if, do a well check. Um, where they need like a key for every, a common key for public safety to be able to access an apartment instead of breaking doors down. And especially if people are inside and just can't get to the door because they're in the bathroom. It's things that I'm trying to advocate for them that they should have anyway. And just because you don't have, it made me cry, but just because you don't have the funds doesn't mean you don't deserve the same quality of life. Like one of the girls that does come, uh, came to that, she can't read or write. She went to Hunter School Elementary till third grade. And that's it. And she wants to learn to read and write, but nobody's ever sat down with her and the only reason I found out is because I was signing, I was making a board for um, signups for nails to be done. And I said, oh, Vicki, you want me to put your name down? And I said, um, since you're sitting here. And, I, and she goes, oh, yeah. She goes, well, you have to put it down anyway because I don't know how to read and write, you know. And I was like, no, I didn't know that. And I said, well, would you like to learn? And she's like, yeah, I'd do it. I'd try. And she is 60. She's younger. She's one of the younger ones. She's maybe 62, 63. That's younger than me. <laughs> But, you know, I mean, but nobody's ever helped her again to get that opportunity. So she's just been. And the best way to learn about history and culture. Mm -hmm. Is to be is, here. <laughs> is to hear. Is to hear. Yeah. Especially this intergenerational. Well, that's the funny thing is like, even in this little place, you've got three relatives, all from the Pottstown area. Um, two, one, two went to the first all black high school. One went to, um, after that school, he went to the first, he was the first class at Huntersville Elementary in the old school house. Mm. He um, was also, uh, the, the other lady, she actually was um, the first class at North Mech. Mm. Um, and, you know, there, the history is crazy because even talking to my, my friend um, that couldn't come out of his apartment before, 
now that he's got the scooter, he's the mayor. <laughs> he literally, we brought him a flag. He's got a fist. He goes all the way to Food Lion downtown. People know him now. And this has been in like two months. People know him. He goes to the ice cream shop every day, knocks on the window, and they bring his ice cream out. And, um, you know, people wave and honk now. He actually Did they know his flavor? He, yes. What, what did I don't say? remember. Uh, you ask me, and I don't remember. But she told me, because um, we have a little bucket set up in there for money to go in. So that money is actually for the seniors when they come up there. If they come in there, they we they know who they are. They have a picture, like a little thing. And the senior, they, that money can pay for the seniors' ice cream, so they don't have to pay for it. Funny yeah. thing is, I think about Huntersville as this big sort of mass of suburbia. Mm -hmm. And what you're describing is really much more of a small town vibe where I, people know one another. Mm -hmm. They can call each other by name. Mm -hmm. They know a little bit of the backstory. Which is important because you don't know that anymore. Nobody instills that anymore. Uh -huh. um, well, it's funny, um, Waddell, my buddy, he, um, he, know, he knows my son. My son goes to ECU. And one day he said, well, um, how's Colby doing? And I said, oh, he's doing good. He's back, you know, back getting it on. And he goes, I never told you. My brother went to ECU. Mm. And... Um, and I said, oh, when did he graduate? And he said, ah, around 69, 70, somewhere around there. I said, oh, my gosh, I think my dad graduated then from ECU. And he goes, well, really? He said his name was George Whitley, and he played football. So I texted my dad, and I'm like, Dad, do you know a guy named George Whitley? And he goes, oh, man, I know George Whitley. And um, so I called him. I'm like, you really know George Whitley? And I'm like, I'm sitting here with his brother. And um, I said, well, we're going to call George back because he said he didn't know you. And um, he goes, well, ask him if he, ask him how Ginger is. And then if he knows me, he'll know me, you know? <laughs> and so we call a brother who lives in Atlanta. And I'm like, George, you do know my daddy. And he goes, oh, I don't know daddy. And I said, his name, I mean, he said that if you know him, then how about Ginger? And he goes, oh, no, I, uh, uh. I, I was married, had two kids. <laughs> I went home every night. <laughs> and I called my dad back and he goes, yep, that's him. <laughs> so I met him recently and we got my dad on FaceTime and they were just hooting and hollering. I mean, this guy used to go party next door to my dad's apartment and my mom lived downstairs. So they all knew it was, I mean, how small world is that, you know? And he went to, um, Wardell went to Winston-Salem State University and play basketball, but I'm from Winston-Salem. And he actually also taught at one of the middle schools that I went to in Winston-Salem. I mean, it's just like, I mean, that's about a small world, I think, that you can get from people. These who, are Carolina you know, stories. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was just, it's, and I have others like that. It's just from here. It's, you know, Carolina connections. Yeah. 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 It's, it's just, it's super empowering. You know, my buddy behind this wall. <laughs> He's like my boyfriend. <laughs> he's a grumpy old Italian man. I mean, the grumpiest of grumps. And, but he's like one of my buddies because we can back and forth. And as soon as we'll get in a little tiff, and tiff's over nothing. But if we get in a little tiff because his cat got outside because I came and knocked on his door that I didn't even open, you know, kind of thing. He'll call me and be like, sweetie, you know I was just joking with you. You know Benjamin can't get outside by himself. Like, you know, they're just, they're fun. That's his way of apologizing. Yeah, but he's really not. He just wants to call me. Yeah. <laughs> it's really it. It's, it's been a lot of work. It's been a lot of long nights. It's, you know, 
um, especially with having three kids and a full-time job. Um, but at the same time, it's probably the most rewarding thing that I've, besides being a mom, um, that I've done, especially to be able to, um, make my grandparents memory through this. It's, um, it's therapeutic and it, it probably takes me out of a hole that a lot of times I would get lost in, um, just thinking about things that we used to do together. Help with the depression. Oh yeah. If you and I got struck by lightning today and the only thing that survived was this recording, what is your legacy? My legacy is probably that um, I don't have to be known by name. Um, I want to be known by my kids and how that I have influenced them first and foremost. And um, the fact that I just love helping people. I love giving back. I love, you know, even if my face is behind my happy faces of a headache and frustration and I, I don't have any more juice in me, you know, to be able to walk in, into a place and be like, you're refreshed. I want my legacy to be for those people to know that they won't see me, you know, at my knees much just because they bring such light to my heart. It's more fulfilling than probably anything I've, I've really ever done. God bless you, Jamie. Thank you. God bless you. Jamie Lane's charity is called Seasons of Giving Lake Norman. Uh, they are going to sell tickets starting the end of next month to the second annual Hubilation. It's like a celebration, only for the Who's down in Whoville. Uh, Hubilation. It's at the Northstone Club up near Huntersville. Um, it'll take place the Wednesday before Christmas from five to nine, and you can look for Seasons of Giving Lake Norman or Hubilation, like a celebration of the Who's. Uh, it's on Facebook. Thank you for everything you do. Thank you for your service, Jamie Lane. In Her Words is a production of the Queen City Podcast Network in cooperation with Balto Creative Media. Allison Andrews at Andrews Creative, Rachel Clapp Miller and Roshonda Pratt are developmental producers. Sally Higgins at Higgins and Owens tries to keep us legal. Our music is A Day at the Park by the group Pictures of the Floating World. Your announcer is Katherine Smith. That's me. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and take a moment to rate and review. It really helps others find us. If you love us, go to our Patreon page at patreon.com. Look for man listening. One word, no spaces. A small investment makes a big difference in lifting up the voices of women. A huge shout out and thank you to everyone who has supported In Her Words, the podcast, manlistening.com, and now Voice Locket. I appreciate you ever so. Thank you for your support. We believe one voice can change the conversation. Thanks so much. <laughs>